seeing someone who was at one point the deputy prime minister of the country on a little screen in Zuckerberg's fake office going, hey, Mark, I hope I'm not interrupting the thing you were doing. And Zuckerberg going, no, Nick, you're not interrupting. Please, let's have a conversation like the humans do. I mean, like we do. Friends and enemies, welcome to Bad Voltage, Season 3, Episode 39, in which I welcome mm. back Jono, I've got the COVID bacon, <laughs> and more importantly, Jeremy, oh, I've forgotten, what did we say? Elliot. Oh, Jer- Jeremy Elliot. <laughs> Can't see you yes. finally, finally <laughs> remember to look it up ahead of time and come up with something and then forget it. I know, and then step on the joke. I'm, ver- I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry, <laughs> listeners to Bad well Voltage. Done. Well done. You see... Once again, no preparation is the right path. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. So it turns well, out when it comes to bad voltage, preparation and no preparation look uh, they look fairly similar, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like if yeah, if a space alien were to come down from the planet Zanusi and watch us and go, I can't tell the difference between when you claim to have prepared and done loads of research and when you just entirely wing it. So you know what the hell. Uh, anyway, welcome back, Jeremy. How was your delightful time away? Uh, my delightful time away was planning a conference. So the conference <laughs> went very well. Dash went out off without a hitch. So uh, yeah, glad good. to be back. Excellent. And um, George stepped in um, while you were away, and we're very appreciative. Thank you. Uh, thank George, you, George. George Castro, that uh, was fantastic. I, I haven't listened. I assume it was amazing. So thank you, George. Yes. And uh, and again, before we go on, thank you to Marius Quebec for uh, all of his editing prowess. Um, yes. And and he edited it like was that was it the last one he did live on Twitch or was it the one before? Uh, it's very cool. To watch I, I, him I do think it, it was the, it was the one before because Jeremy was in it. But yes, um, it, it was Th- really right. interesting. I, I I got a chance yeah. to catch up with it. I I don't know if it's still there. I believe stuff on Twitch vanishes after two weeks or something, so uh, it may not still be there. But if you get a chance to go and see it, I thought the process was really interesting. He did this thing where um uh he uh spaces out the text so we don't talk over one another, which we never do in real life, by the way, listeners. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah. he do, he does it by copying little bits of silence. So you spend ages getting all the tracks lined up at the beginning and then once you've done that you can just copy little bits of silence to bump everyone's track out so that so people don't end up talking over one another it's really clever yeah no and and by the way before we go on speaking about marius so he recently actually i'm gonna actually make an ad on his behalf right so he recently opened up a whole bunch of availability because he does like video editing and podcast editing all kinds of stuff He's really good. I've hired him for my for my YouTube videos. He does a wonderful job. So if you need something editing, whether it's video or audio, be sure to go to NerdZoom Media. And it's all in German, but he works with English people as well, or English-speaking people. So he's great. That's NerdZoom Media. He makes bad voltage sound good. Imagine what he can do for you. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and seriously, if, uh, if, you, if you enjoy this show... Then one way of showing your thankfulness for that, because we don't have a Patreon or anything like that, but one way of showing your thankfulness for that is to um, take some of your work to Marius. Yeah. He's a solid dude. Yes. Solid dude. Top. Yes. He's, he's top banana. What are we going to talk about? So, every year since 2014, 
we, Bad Voltage, we have provided predictions over what we think will happen <laughs> in technology. I thought it was going to go down this particular line of inquiry, <laughs> by the way. I'm unsurprised by this. So every year since, oh, I don't know, 1988 when X-Tank came out, Jonathan Edward James Bacon <laughs> has predicted that VR and AR and possibly Freescape graphics will be the future of technology. And every year he is mocked for being delusional. But now, finally, this year, he has been joined in his delusion by baby-faced destroyer of democracy and fifth richest person <laughs> on earth, Mark Zuckerberg, and his new company, Meta, which is not at all his old company with the serial number filed off and a new name written in in crayon. So we would like to... It, it is basically that, yeah. I can't believe that there's anyone out there who listens to this show who isn't at least peripherally aware of this but facebook have rebranded or have created a new parent operation called meta they have pushed all their chips into the center of the table on the metaverse Mm. so we're going to talk a bit about what the hell they think that is what we think it is um why they might be doing this what they might be trying to distract us from what it comprises and whether it'll work. Yeah, we've got a lot to get into. That, uh, um, there's a lot to unpack there. So why don't we first of all start off with the, the with the naming? Because it was a bit confusing. There was a, a bunch of press were saying, "Oh, they're changing the name of Facebook to something else." So it like like Google with the parent company of Alphabet. Alphabet yeah. Meta is the parent company. Yes. Facebook, WhatsApp, all that shit is going to stay the same. But they did announce this whole vision around the metaverse, which isn't particularly new because they've had the oculus headsets horizon spaces this is at least swing three yeah (laughs) they've been doing it for a while but what's interesting is that they really seem to have i mean they've really staked a public bet on this yeah so like it's not like not like it's been like a little lab that they've been working on they've said the future of our company is the metaverse so why don't we talk about First of all, what they announced, so we everybody knows what we're talking about, and then we can talk about what we think about it. Should we start with the VR stuff? Okay, well, John, I'm... Um, Do you want to start with I, the name, m- or...? M- 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 much as I took a certain amount of the piss out of you for yes, announcing VR every year forever, <laughs> um, I'm interested in your initial take your description of what it is you picked up because honestly you're more invested in this than i am because i wasn't kidding about the freescape graphics thing and doing freescape graphics where everyone's got no legs doesn't make it any better so um tell me what uh, what you took away from this what they announced i mean they they had quite a long keynote right with um with zuckerberg and various people who work for him i would describe it as interminably long (laughs) did did you either of you watch it Yes. I, I, I have not watched the whole thing end to end. It's an hour. Oh, the, the whole thing's unwatchable from beginning to end. I, I had not watched it when it happened. I watched it for this show. And to Same see man. how overproduced it was and still have Zuckerberg come off that poorly is, is astounding to me. It's He has legitimately probably had more public speaking training than everyone on the planet sans maybe a dozen people. And I'm talking world leaders. And, and that's probably about it. And he's still yeah. just not good at it. He's he's uncomfortable. He's awkward. He, he just it's wooden. I, yeah, right. He, they probably recorded two hundred hours of video to get that one terrible hour, and it's still not good. But because I, I you're, tra- because you're just, trying to teach a shop mannequin how to influence people, 
And it was such a stark difference to watch. I watched a little bit of that one and then a little bit of Carmack because it also obviously had quite a bit to do with this. And his is yep. just him. It looks exactly like Carmack. us filming this show where it's like, I don't know, I have a house behind me. I set up like a webcam. Click, yep. go. And here's here's my keynote. It's, it was such a stark difference. It was interesting. That's a good point. You know, it's weird. Carmack is, is also like strangely intoxicating to watch. I don't know if you guys have done this, but I've watched multiple of his keynotes, like the ones that he would do at QuakeCon, where he's talking about like, you know, um, occlusion, image occlusion and stuff like this. And it's just kind of interesting to watch. It's, it's, it's like it's like an in-person, it's like a the person equivalent of live coding. Uh, just watching him <laughs> speak is fascinating. I, I, I think he's interesting because he's interested in the thing mm, he's yeah. talking about. He, he's heavily invested. There's a certain amount of excitement um, and interest you can get. This is why TED became popular. Because right. if you've got people talking about a thing that they're passionate about, it is at least semi-interesting to watch, even if not just that you don't know about the topic, but you actively it's don't care topic. about the topic. Yeah. It's still interesting to watch people who are. This is why, essentially, it's why YouTube exists, why someone can make a career talking about... um uh, knitting or games that they like or, uh, woodworking or anything. Cause you like, I just like watching people who are skilled at crafts doing and yeah. talking about those crafts. And for Carmack, what that is, is 3D shadow occlusion in a virtual environment <laughs> or whatever, right? Or inventing the inverse square root rule or that wasn't him, but you know what I mean? Well, yeah, Z- yeah, yeah. Zuckerberg isn't anything because he's a, ambulatory sex robot and he's the worst (laughs) (laughs) he uh, by the way that's that is the uh, title of the show Uh, (laughs) so going back to the content of the keynote (laughs) but yeah i mean um it was enormously overproduced and i think this is something that companies need to just before we get into the content they need to kind of deal with because it there was one part of it that really stood out to me there was this lady I, i can't remember i think she was the the woman who was like on the the VR side of things, and they were sat in like these. They looked like they were sat in someone's living room. Yeah, and it was so obvious that they were both reading from teleprompters, and it just sounded weird. It sounded. It looked like it looked like bad VR. So I, I think what people want now is authentic authenticity, and it came off as not authentic. Well, at all. exactly. There's a there's a yeah. bit in there, right? This is especially weird if you're um from the UK, where Nick Clegg is there head of public safety or something but he used to be head of the liberal democrat party in the uk and he was deputy prime minister when the conservatives and the lib dems went into coalition right about 10 years ago so seeing someone who was at one point the deputy prime minister of the country on a little screen in zuckerberg's fake office going hey mark i hope i'm not interrupting the thing you were doing and zuckerberg going no nick you're not interrupting please let's have a conversation like the humans do i mean like we do you're like god <laughs> you people can't act stop and like i get i get that you can't act and i'm not employing you to act i'm employing you to be head of public safety and to be you know Pinocchio, but a real boy who runs the company. But <laughs> don't try to act. Don't try to do this kind of thing because you're not good at it. <laughs> well, and the thing is, as well, is is without sounding like a dick, Zuckerberg's name has been 
a symbol of mistrust for many years. Like yes. people endlessly talk shit about him for reasonable reasons and for some unreasonable reasons. I don't know why they didn't find somebody else at Facebook to go there and to do the keynote. This is a great opportunity for a woman to do it or an underrepresented group to get up there and do it. But putting him there, it, 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 it he's not the right person to present this vision. Uh, he's really the only one that can present this vision though, right? It's whenever you're going to change so foundationally as an organization, it's difficult to do it if it's not a new aspirational CEO. So uh, we'll use Microsoft as an example there. When Baumler left, Satya had a unique uh, um, opportunity to do that or the founder. There's some things that it's really difficult to pull off if you're not the founder. And for something like this, like the founder is probably the right person. The interesting thing is he probably should step down as CEO. With all of the heat that they're getting, it's very easy to pin that heat on him. He's a very easy target for that. And he is clearly already a target. So him stepping down, I think, would actually deflect quite a bit of the, especially in the US, the Congress side of it. I don't know if it would have as much change in the EU. And you look at when the Google founder stepped down, it was when they were in the midst of some of these things. Some other high profile founders and CEOs have also stepped down. And I don't think he's going to. And I think the, the name change was partially his vision to, to do this, which he's clearly invested in a little bit personally. But part of it, I think, is that deflection. But it turns out if your brand has become known for being toxic and you don't change the reasons for that and you just create a new brand and you don't do anything else, pretty soon that new brand's also going to be associated with that toxicity. And I don't know that they're making the other needed changes. So so to give you an example there, um, their trust score, their trust level, according to Harris Brand, um, was 16%. And then you had Francis Haugen's whistleblowing stuff. And so their trust score dropped from its previous level of 16% to 58 right? And not, then not a ringing endorsement. started to climb back up. It got back up as far as 11%, which, to be clear, is abysmal. And then they did the rebrand, and it dropped it back down to 6%. The rebrand made people distrust Facebook even more than they did already. And they already really, really, really didn't trust them. It made it worse because, yeah, literally everyone has gone. This is you attempting to throw the name Facebook under the bus and go, oh, wow, Facebook, they're terrible. They did a bunch of evil stuff. But like, did you see the facial recognition thing? Well, they were like, yeah, Facebook, not going to do facial recognition anymore. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Then, oh, yeah, Meta is still going to, though. Lol. And everyone went, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't this even like, see that Meta was still going to. This is like Scooby-Doo villain levels of doing things, for God's sake. And the thing is, as well, is everybody knows that the wrong kind of leadership, like if you've got the wrong leadership in, in place somewhere, company, wherever it might be, then bad things will happen. Everybody knows this because either you've worked for companies where you've experienced that or you've seen what can happen in, in politics, right? So to me, the example of what you're talking about, Jeremy, is what happened to Microsoft, right? Nobody trusted Balmer. Bill Gates was mired in, in problems. And then when Satya came in, that ship has changed significantly. People trust him. He's a much more trustworthy figure. That they need to do that. Anyway. Yeah. So I, I, I am just just uh, just just to paint the picture for you here. I am looking. I froze the uh, keynote early today because I was watching through bits of it again, and I have a shot of it um, there on my screen, right next to um, the two of you here in the in, in the chat window, and it's Nick Clegg, former Deputy Prime Minister of the of of the UK, sitting there, um, looking. Uh, <sighs> 
disingenuously into the camera, but not quite into the camera. <laughs> and the caption underneath says, for when youngsters are using these products. Right? And I can think of very little, which looks more like, you know, the Steve Buscemi, how are you doing fellow kids thing. <laughs> <laughs> then a guy who was a politician doesn't know how to make eye contact with the camera using the word youngsters to describe how Facebook are going to move forward. And it just, it completely sums up the situation for me. It's the worst. I've taken a screenshot of it. Anyway. All right. So let's talk about, let's talk about the technology. So, um, on the VR side of things, they announced this thing called Project Cambria which is their high-end headset. There's been rumors recently that there's going to be an Oculus Quest 3 um, that was going to be announced at Connect. It wasn't. There's further rumors about a Pro headset. I'm not sure if that was announced or not. Um, I actually just bought a Quest 2 headset because I was been thinking about getting one for a while. It's actually pretty good, I've got to, I've got to say. It's, yeah, I've been very... I've not used a huge amount of VR. Um, you know, I did the Daydream stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, wow, it's a I good implementation of VR. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but one of the things that they were talking about with the, a couple of things that are notable about the Project Cambria VR thing. First of all, they were, they were, they were blunt that it's going to be much more expensive because they've got to pack a whole lot more sensors in there. Uh, one is that it, yeah, it's got like, it's supposed to do eye tracking and facial, um, gaze tracking, uh, gaze tracking and facial. Yeah. So uh, the eye tracking stuff, right? Is already in some headsets. Um, and uh but the facial tracking so you'll be able to smile and, and yeah. they, they want to be able to capture real facial reactions and it actually reminds me of um our old neighbors in the house that we used to live in that guy adam is super into vr he works for a vr company one of the things he said to me was and it makes sense is that you don't need photorealism for the avatars in vr people don't need that but you've got to get the eye tracking and the facial expressions right otherwise it just mm. you get the uncanny valley thing it looks weird so I think that's kind of interesting. Now, we'll we'll get to the privacy stuff about facial tracking and all that kind of stuff. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But it it looks like they're 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 innovating there. The other thing that they're that they're focusing on with Cambria is seeing the real world. I think they call it pass through. So you can see the real world in your headset. So for example, with the Oculus Quest 2, when you first put it on, you set the guardian. You basically draw a line on the floor, which is the edge of your VR play area. And while you're doing that, you can see, you know, you can see your room, right? But it yeah. looks like it's through a super old webcam. It's all grainy. It looks crap. Because you're not actually seeing it. It's taking pictures and then showing them to you. Right. It's, it's not like, you know, you're not actually looking through like a pair of sunglasses. You're watching, you're, you're watching a TV camera on the outside of it, displaying it on the, in the VR world. Yeah. So it looks like part of Cambria is going to be is going to be where you could look at your room and it would look like you've just got a pair of glasses on or just look like look like normal which i think is an interesting thing because it is this gets to like one of my concerns about their vision with meta is that i just think people don't want to sit there with headsets on for 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 too long like the the form factor is a problem and when you've got a vr headset on it's just you you're like your spidey senses are always aware that you can't see the world around you. Yeah. And it's it's unsettling. It's very isolated and unsettling. In my experience, yeah, you're kind of thinking, um, what if someone just takes my wallet out of my back pocket? Because <laughs> I'm locked up in this secret world. And outside, maybe, you know, people are dancing around and pointing or whatever, you know? Um, and yeah, that, 
I feel like there's not much going on to address that, but this sort of thing I think is a problem. Up until now, and still from now, the problem we've had has been the technology itself. It's just not good enough. As we start to slowly approach the point where maybe the technology is good enough, you've got to start thinking about the actual social aspects of this stuff. You know, So even if I spot you that the tech is good enough, which it isn't, the idea that you are isolated from the world is a problem you know it's not a good and we'll get more onto that on a on a more meta level ha um when uh, we, when, when, when we talk um, a bit later about um whether the whole idea will work but just on a tech just from a technological perspective i think uh i mean we talk about vr rather than ar here but pretty much by definition an ar view of the world needs to not involve something filming the world and then showing it to you on an isolating camera it's got to be putting virtual things into the actual real world as you see it not recreating the real world as a virtual world i think yeah exactly like display it on your glasses yes lens yeah. as opposed to recreating it don't, don't 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 give me a miner's helmet with a camera on the top and then display put that into my eyes that's not how it works right the other thing that I think is worth mentioning that they talked about in the keynote as well was the, the, and I actually think this is really cool, what they've done with hand tracking. So, you know, again, with the, with the current VR headsets, um, with Quest being a, a good example, you get these controllers, right? I've got two on my desk right now. And they're, they're, they're very well designed for today's technology. But it's weird having something in your hands, right? It's much more natural to not have anything in your hands and then they can track your your finger movements. And that, understandably, is a really hard problem to solve. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yes. Like, for example... <laughs> you know, and, and for example, on the, um, on, the, on the current controllers, you know, there's standard button configurations for, like, picking something up. And it actually works quite well. Like, I, when I got my Quest headset... I downloaded this fishing game and you go and pick up the fishing rod and you know, your little finger kind of bends to pick it up. It looks completely unnatural. So doing the hand tracking, being able to use VR without having a controller to me makes a lot of sense where possible. I don't know how they're going to deal with buttons and things like that, but that's a separate question. Well, one of the things that I think is interesting about that is, yeah, there's, there's this big mismatch where you have to uh, essentially use the PlayStation version of actions to do things which you understand how to do in the real world. I understand how to pick up a thing in the real world. I don't have to press A on my controller to do it. My actual hand does it, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the flip side of that is that the whole point of VR is it gives you the ability to do things that you can't necessarily do in the real world. How do I, if I'm looking at um a window in the virtual world, or in AR, where I'm looking out my window, but I've made it show uh tahiti instead of the awful factory which is out of my window um, <laughs> and i want to switch that so instead of showing tahiti it's showing um the northern lights right that i don't have a gesture for this in the real world so how do yep. i do it and one thing that might come about is a almost a standard way of interacting with virtual objects using real-world gestures. And one of the things I find fascinating about, about this sort of technology is at that point you're just casting spells, right? You're doing gestures in the air and saying words to make stuff happen in reality. You're like, wow, I'm a, what if this is always like three years old? Make right. it happen. Well, one of the things they talked about was um, – was 
was making sure that, uh, and I think this is actually a good thing, was making sure that those apparently like dealing with hand gestures and stuff like that is a complete nightmare for VR developers. So making that consistent in how people build apps. Um, this, yeah. So it, it, you've got the initial steps of things like this with things like ARKit from Apple and so on, attempting to find standard set of APIs where you can integrate this sort of technology into. And I would expect to see um, that sort of thing get built as standard at that sort of semi-operating system level. So when you're building apps, you just pick up on that. You just essentially go, I get an action call. In the same way that um, uh, voice assistants use intents, where your, hmm. um, your, your app gets told, the user has asked for help. Tell them help. But you, they, you don't have to pick up, did they say the word help or aid me or what's next or I'm confused? Um, yep. your, your Amazon Echo or your Google Home or whatever, um, distinguishes between the things that you said and the command that it embodies. And this will be exactly yep. the same, I think, for, uh, gestures in VR and AR. We just haven't got to the point of saying that yet because up until now, and I'm not even sure now at all, we haven't had the technology which is even close enough to think about this stuff. There's no point in thinking about that sort of, um, how do we do a standardized gesture vocabulary? Because at the moment, we've literally just got beyond the point of if you move your head too fast, it swishes behind you and everyone throws up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... So, on the VR side, I think this Project Cambry headset sounds pretty cool. Um, the, The examples that he provided... Zuckerberg went through in the in the keynote were pretty standard VR stuff that we've seen before, right? Sitting in a meeting room, pulling up a feed, stuff like that, you know, interacting with things. They didn't really talk a huge amount about the software side of things, I don't think. Um, but they did a bit. But um, what about the AR? Should we talk about the AR stuff? Yeah. Okay. Because um, they 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 shared this 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 project called Project Nazaire which is their uh, glasses that they're working on. Now, we've obviously mm-hmm. seen a bunch of this previously. There's the Magic Leap. There's the HoloLens. So AR, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, is where you look at the real world through an actual pair of glasses, and then you see essentially holograms of stuff in the real yes. world. Um, again, what they shared with it looked like stuff that we can see today, like you know projecting things onto a table. This is very Magic Leapy, And it wasn't... It was interesting that they're working on this, but I I didn't really take anything particularly, you know, it wasn't particularly ground-shaking that they're doing this. Well, what they announced was very aspirational. The implementation as of today is is very banal. It's the reality. Yeah, I yeah, I I didn't hear anything from them um which was beyond what people have talked about from AR already. I'm not I'm not I didn't I I maybe I missed a bunch of stuff, but it seemed very much we're going to do AR like other people are doing. I didn't see them particularly pitching anything which was, and we're going to do this thing with AR which other people are not doing because they haven't thought of it or anything. It's all still very yeah. speculative. They're like, yeah, we're going to do this. They, they they were pretty frank as well about the form factor, like getting everything into like five half mi- a centimeter. Five mil thick glasses, yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is cool. The thing that I think is exciting about I, this I think is it's that- cool. I just like, you know, I'd like a battery which is this big and powers my phone for a hundred years. Also right. would be cool. And also, as far <laughs> as I can tell, approximately as far away in terms of discovery. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I think is good here is that there's a lot of competition in this space, right? Like Magic Leap, Microsoft, Apple are working on a pair of AR glasses. Facebook are, what, well, Meta are. So um, we need some of that competition 
for it to get better and better and better, which I think will be good. But I'm still waiting to see. What, I actually think the AR side of things is much more compelling because of the isolation thing we talked about earlier on. I think people will be much more much more comfortable sticking a pair of glasses on and interacting in a similar sense in VR where you've got like, you know, you're sat at your office and you've got your colleagues in your office. I was going to say, are you talking AR just in the sense of AR or AR specifically as it applies to the metaverse? Because there's different conversations to me. Yeah, I mean, the thing that to me seems interesting that they they were talking about was their, at least what I interpret as the metaverse within AR for them is connected AR, right? So like you see people who aren't there in your room and you can interact with them. You can get like the example that, 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 that you know, all of this obviously, you know, magic that they were that they were creating for this keynote the ar bit was much more compelling to me like you know going in there and you see a little spotify thing hovering up in the air you can put it on and then you can move windows around like in minority report type stuff and you can you can chat to people that to me is much more compelling because i just don't think people are going to want to sit there with a vr headset on and even if they slim down the size of the vr headsets you've got to completely cover your field of vision right so you still have that isolation piece it's 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 also cognitively exhausting like th- thinking about working in that world is uh, no hard no for me. But the one thing that you said, uh, you're looking at a world that isn't there. It has to be replacing your vision, not augmenting it. If it was augmenting your vision, then it would be AR. That's what the A stands for. Right. I, I think one thing that you said that was a little bit surprising and a little bit interesting to me is the amount of competition that's already there. Like Microsoft announcing this was a little to the level that they did was a little bit of a surprise to me. The other thing yeah. that was a little bit of a surprise in that surprise is they both seem to envision the metaverse not only as a place where work happens, which I'm willing to have that debate, I'm, I'm unsure, but they're both pushing this weird, animated, oddly legless avatar. It's they're copying each other to a degree that honestly is a little surprising. So the virtual whiteboard thing, okay, maybe collaborating over long distances. Yeah, I get the pandemic has made that a, a thing and will continue to be a thing long after the pandemic is over. But the the overlap, I was a little surprised about. And it's tech companies or tech history is full of companies that dominated a generation and then try to seize the next generation. They tend not to be very good at it. Incumbents sometimes create the future, but it's rare. And it almost never comes from a giant $10 billion project. If it is an incumbent, it usually started as like a skunkworks thing. In like, you know, and then it so gets traction. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So the fact that they're both seemingly all in, like Facebook said, they're going to hire 10,000 people in no time at all dedicated just to this. That's a, a fairly sized company in and of itself. I mean, the, the, the thing which, well, I say the thing which makes me feel uncomfortable about this, one of the laundry list of 161 things that makes me feel uncomfortable about this is the reason (laughs) everyone's doing the legless um, anime avatar um, Toy Story 2 version of the universe is that they're going to say, yeah, we're going to hire 10,000 people, but we're not going to solve the Uncanny Valley problem because that's too hard. So you have to look at disappointing shiny skinned cartoon versions of your colleagues and we're going to give you basically the thing which creates me's on the nintendo way to make the me version of yourself they don't want to solve the uncanny valley i think that's the point yeah no but but I, I, no i think the reason they're going they're talking a big game about yeah we don't want to solve that but i think the reason they don't want to solve it is because they don't know how 
they can't make something which seems realistic. Right. So, I mean, te- the cool thing about technology is the problem will eventually get solved if enough people want it to be solved. That's how technology yeah. works. Like something that seemed impossible a decade ago is just a standard thing you see every day that happens every decade and always has and, and will continue to happen from my perspective. What, what's The thing is here is I don't know that people actually want this. I get that Zuckerberg wants it and maybe Microsoft is starting to want it or has to for shareholders' appearances pretend to want it because Zuckerberg does. But do people – like look at the Zoom fatigue everyone has after – Less than a year of this. Do you really want to live in a virtual world? Because I know for sure I don't. I want to go outside and go for a run more now than ever. Well, ha- so ha- hang on. Um, that's going full bore meta. That's the do people want the whole idea? So we've got a couple yeah. of steps up the pyramid before we get to the top and ask that question. I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So just um, coming back, just briefly, briefly before we get onto the broader meta, how it fits into the world, just briefly on the on the animated avatar thing because i just think it's important to mention like i said earlier on about our neighbor old neighbor you know and he he has no dog in this race at all he doesn't work for facebook or anything like that his point and i agree with it is uh, these vr companies have decided not to try and go for this the super photo realistic thing because the processing power is ridiculous it's you're never going to really solve the uncanny valley problem anytime soon um and people don't really need that. What they need is they need a relatable entity on the screen that that you can that you can connect to. And I think it makes sense what they're doing because if you think about it, like right now, for example, we're on Zoom as we record this, right? Yeah. Yep. And the thing that makes me engage—I mean, obviously, this is video, so it's it's by definition really engaging. But the real thing is, I can see your facial reactions. Yes. Right? So. Right now, I can see Ak has got a look of contempt in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what they're saying is, we, we, we can't get all the way there. But if we, can, if we can basically mirror the facial reactions and probably when people are speaking, lip syncing, I'm guessing, is going to be one element of that as well. That is going to be enough to make the environment feel immersive enough that you, you'll want to go and spend a couple of hours in it. So you think they can't solve the uncanny valley portion of legs but they can solve it for facial expressions this is exactly my point i think they're going to talk a big game about yeah yeah we're going to show you an accurate facial expression so you'll be able to take a look at this cartoon version of jono and see that it's got one eyebrow slightly raised it's expressing simultaneously it's a bit contemptuous and also a bit hungry and a bit bored with this conversation all of which you could happily pick up from a face right the idea that you can do that by looking at mr incredible is surprising to me at best i'm not saying they can't you don't you don't don't think you can do that no i don't so you don't think you don't when you watch a pixar movie you can't pick up the emotion of a character without them saying what they're thinking not as much as i could pick it up from an actual human face no not of course but i I think you can do but that's hang on i think you do high level point though that's the point is that they're not trying to replicate a human right? What they're trying to do is to bring as much of the... I think their point with the metaverse is that um, what do you lose when you're online, right? You you often lose a lot of the nuance of, of communication. When you're in the same room yeah. as somebody, you can pick up on what's not being said. And what they're, gonna, what they're saying is, now you're only going to lose some of the nuance. But the whole point about nuance is that it's subtle and it's not yes. going to be there. It's exactly what's going to get smoothed away. It's like, to pick an example, um, do you remember 
John, you remember this. Jeremy, you probably didn't see this. Um, when David Cameron ran for election, he was Prime Minister of the UK, and he had those terribly airbrushed photos. Yes. Right. So um, there were big posters um, when um, Cameron was uh, running, um, um, when there was a general election. Uh, awfully, awfully airbrushed. He looked like a Pixar character almost. But yeah. if you said to me, what about that picture doesn't look right? I don't know, but it just looks unnatural. He managed but you're to. You're talking he, about two separate things. No, no, no. That's he, a human. Hang on. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's a human being. But that's exactly my point. He managed to uncanny valley himself, and he's a real person to begin with. <laughs> These aren't real people. They're cartoon characters, which I, I, I honestly do not think that you can put as much nuance as you can in a human face in this. And if you do not have that, the conversations will inevitably lose a bunch of fidelity by comparison with in-person conversations. Yeah, they're going to be better than conversations on IRC. No one is disagreeing at all that you cannot, like, no one is saying that you can replicate everything about a human being in VR. No one's saying that, right? The point is, is that if your goal, right, and we know this is the goal of Meta, if your goal is to make the most immersive environment for people to spend time together online, that's their vision with Meta, right? Then they've identified what are the things that we need to do to make that happen, right? And I think it's a very reasonable assertion that being able to bring facial expressions into that world is important. Because most of the time when we're communicating with people, the legs thing is important. I get that. But most of the time, you're looking at someone's face. Yes. Right? They'll probably solve the legs but thing and the movement I thing think later both on. Of our, the legs thing doesn't matter. I was saying if they can't solve legs, facial expression seems impossible. Anything's possible. Right. I guess I think what Ak and I are both saying slightly differently is because facial expressions especially are so nuanced – a rough right. approximation of a facial expression is worse than no facial expression. Yes, because I agree. things get lost in nuance, and it turns out if it's a rough approximation and you get it wrong, you're then relaying information yeah. that should not have been relayed. Oh, totally, I agree. Like a shitty implementation of facial expressions is not going to work. They've got to nail this right, hundred percent. And the thing about technology is, you never nail it the first time. And mo- and more importantly, you've said yourself. No one is expecting and no one is claiming that they're gonna be able to nail it. No, what I'm saying what I'm saying is first of all, their goal, I don't believe their goal is that you have a super realistic replication of a human being in VR. So I look at you and it looks just like you act in the virtual world. I think they're basically saying what we're gonna do is we're gonna create an avatar that kind of looks like you. It's gonna be cartoony and all the rest, but it'll have similar facial features, a beard and hair and whatever else. And then they're gonna try and get the fidelity, that's a good word for it, on the facial expressions. I think that's a reasonable goal. That's the thing I don't think I don't think is doable. Um I, I I'm not I'm not even particularly bothered it's cartoony. I'm a bit bothered, but whatever. Leave aside photorealism. Um yeah. I do not believe that they're going to be able to even realistically get close to the idea that you can pick up even close to as much nuance in expression from the faces they create that you can do from an actual person's face. I don't think they'll 100% nail it, but I think they will get close enough to achieve a sense of immersion where people will want to be in there. I don't think that that last part of that sentence. I, I no way. And we'll have to see. I'm with, I'm 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 with Jeremy. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> yeah. And the big question is, to your point, is if you're in a like, it, you make you make a really good point. Like, if you get it wrong and people send the wrong nuance message with their face, that's a problem. That's right. It's going to be an issue. And more <laughs> importantly, it's not a problem you can complain about. If you say, "Hey, we had this meeting," and wow, I really thought that the guy on the other side of the table didn't like the idea. So we bowed from the meeting because he was obviously off, you know, didn't fancy it. And the guy was like, no, I was perfectly happy about it. And you think to yourself, now, are you the sort of bloke who just looks unhappy with ideas that he likes? Or did it not transmit quite accurately across the mediation of turning you into Mr. Incredible and then back again? Right. What are you going to do? Are you going to sue Meta? For this, <laughs> I, I suspect you are not. No. no. So, and, so, and this is I, where I, I we, think they'll gather in the end. But, yeah. So, so this is anyway. where we this is where we go another step up the pyramid to the bigger question. Let's go up the pyramid, which, Jer- yes. which Jeremy asked, which is even if I'm prepared to the, the pyramid is like the one that they used to have in um, the Aztecs had in stories and not in real life, where they sacrifice everyone at the top, blood <laughs> runs down the outside, right? Um, but even if I'm prepared to spot Jono that they managed to accomplish everything they're claiming to do, at the end of it, they've built a world in which you can go and hang out in this virtual reality or in which you can walk down the street or sit there in your own house and have people appear around your house. Does anyone actually want all of this? And Jeremy, as you say, certainly Zuckerberg wants you to want it. And he's prepared to bet the company on the fact that you might want it. But do people really want this thing? And if they do, do they want one company to be the metaverse? A no. Right. It seems like a no stacked on a no, which is hats <laughs> on hats at that point. And, and if it, you were to choose that one company, right. would, would it would it be <laughs> you wanted to be it, them? Yeah. <laughs> you see, but here's the thing: I think they're going. If you would choose that one company, would it be Facebook? Everyone goes no, and they go ha ha. But we're not actually Facebook, so it's okay. That's, <laughs> right? that's why we're Meta now. <laughs> I love the fact that the icon for Meta is like a uh, like a mask that an oldie world robber would wear in robbing a bank, like one of those eye patches that can. <laughs> it, 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 it's a very simplified picture of a pair of truck nuts. i I mean yeah yeah so uh so we we mentioned um the word privacy earlier and i thought the distinction between the vr and the ar thing is interesting because yes i can um i agree that even if people do want this people probably want the ar version more than the vr version from a technology point of view because living inside an entirely created world where you have to sit there with a big helmet on your head and it projects things into your eyes. You're conscious of your disconnection from the actual real world. It's cognitively exhausting to deal with. Um, yeah, all of that's important and therefore AI is better. But the flip side of that is that presenting you with an entirely virtual world isn't actually particularly invasive of your life. You are literally stepping out of your life and into something else if you want to, right? X-Tank did not require to know where I was standing in the world in order for it to be a game. But, I think this is the only time anyone has compared X Tank <laughs> to, to, to Meta. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it real for more, all my X11 R5 bros out there. <laughs> so, um, but wow. I've been X11 R3 or so, I don't even know. I was like, <laughs> I was like nine when X Tank came out. So, um, right. but the AR thing, 
pretty much by definition, in order to make AR actually meaningful, it requires an immensely invasive level of immersion into your life and what's going on within it. Yeah, being able to project a Spotify control panel in my vision at the top right is not particularly invasive, but also it's not particularly interesting. Right? You don't want to I be mean, able to press fast forward in the air. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's actually quite cool. And if that's what I thought AR was, I'd generally be all for it. But it's yeah. very much more um, not, and even that has to know about your Spotify account. And it's not going to be Spotify providing it; it's going to be channeled through Meta's API, who will carefully be recording all the songs that you're listening to. Right? Um, so why don't we? Why before we get into the specifically the privacy stuff in terms of just the idea of all these pieces the people want it right putting just making some putting the privacy stuff to one side um to me there's a couple of interesting things here one is i personally think that the real area that will work will be ar um vr for all the things we've talked about it's cumbersome it's clumsy um and it's 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 unsettling having it on your head and being isolated like you said ak um i think the idea of ar will make great sense when you're obviously in the in in when you're in an environment with other people in AR. Like to me, I can completely see the idea of putting on a pair of glasses that feel like my current glasses. Um and my world is augmented with other stuff. Especially if I like instead of being on a Zoom meeting, being able to sit there and have a much more interactive conversation in using 3D you know, shit that's going on. I can see a lot of use cases for that working. Right. But the idea of asking a whole bunch of people when they're at work to stick these big headsets on in VR, I just don't buy it. And more importantly, just don't buy it. You're putting the big headset on in order that you can look at basically a Zoom meeting. It just happens to be hanging in midair with mountains in the background. Right. It's not actually useful. I mean, at that point, why bother? Why not just, if you're just going to sit there in one chair, not go anywhere, you might as well be looking at a laptop screen. Well, the thing that to me would be interesting would be if I think about the house that we live in, right? Imagine in this great AR world is if information appeared in AR in a geolocated way, right? So for example, you know, Samsung sell those fridges that have got the window in the front uh, and you can kind of look into it and you don't have to open the fridge. Stupid concept. Imagine being able to go in AR and walk to your fridge and there's something that's projected on the fridge door that says these are the things that, you know, you're running low on this. I completely buy that that would be useful. And and if I'm wearing glasses all the time or if, if they eventually get this into contact lenses, that I think is really interesting. You see, to me, that's the same pitch that is um, buy loads of IoT smart home appliance stuff for your house. The people go, just think you'd be able to say, uh, Lexi, order me new sausages when I need them and stuff like that. And yeah, there's a small subset of people who want this. And there's another small subset of people who want to be able to say everyone wants this, so then VCs give them billions of pounds, right? <laughs> but, it it but, sounds like yeah, a very but, compelling business model if you're the person providing this technology and everyone in the world buys it. But in practice, people aren't buying this stuff that much. And for AR to be cool, everything's got to be wired into it. And most people don't even have smart light bulbs. <laughs> but my point, yeah, but this is the reason why I think there's an opportunity with AR. The thing that gets in the way of the IoT thing is, one, is that it's really expensive. Two, is that you've got a billion different kind of devices that you're not sure if they're going to work well together. 
and by definition, they're specific in nature. Neither Imagine, of those problems go away if, if if the interface is being projected on your glasses. Of course these things go away, right? Because now, instead of having to buy all these different devices, if I can basically plug these things into the real world... I'll give you an example. Imagine, like right now, let's say you want to cook something. Let's say you want to bake a cake, Yeah. right? You have a cookbook, and it sits there on your, on your, on your kitchen counter. Yep. Imagine in AR, if as you're going through the different steps, first of all, the, 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 the recipe is right in front of you. And then maybe as you're going through, this is the, this is AR down the line, but you can see what's going on as you do, as you perform in the activity. No, no level of IOT can do that. The point is, is that because it's a, because it's AR, you can spring up these little notes and messages and guidance everywhere you don't have to go and buy an individual device for these things to happen you just buy a pair of ar glasses you know i can i can see all kinds of applications for this i could imagine me sitting here mixing I'm, music and seeing the decibel levels of the audio that's playing uh when i'm when i'm playing it. i can imagine playing my guitar and looking to the right of me i've got the music projected in front of me instead of having to have a weird a weird like music you know notation sat on a stand that's in there there's all kinds of applications for ar so i think ar has some super interesting applications I, I don't think they're necessarily at least from my perspective tied to the metaverse in any way i also don't right see how right. you got from iot to the recipe thing like i don't i i, I miss the line from a to b my my point is is that with iot the device is specifically located in a part of your home Mm-hmm. And then you, in- and I think we've, we've all, we know the internet of shit, like the internet connected yeah. egg counter and stuff like that is stupid, right? My point is that, is that with AR, like IoT is primarily just connecting your devices to the internet and then being able to relay information, right? It's reporting. Whereas with AR, I think what you can do is you can, first of all, you can visualize the equivalent of what you buy a device for. You'd obviously have to connect it to the internet in some means. Right, but AR AR is going to require an ecosystem to be useful, and that ecosystem is going to be difficult no, to build. I'm just talking about AR so, as a no, concept. So, John, I think it's it's valuable. John, yeah, right, right. bear with me. The AR you're describing, where you're doing some cooking and you want to be able to look at a recipe, right? Yeah, it's not that recipe is not interacting with the real world in any way. It's not picking up that you're currently stirring the thing and showing you the next step. It's literally just playing a YouTube video on your glasses in the corner of your vision. Well, you, no, you know, I think he wants you, contextualized you, instructions uh, that on, do understand contextualized that. instructions. Right. Yes. If you want contextualized instructions, then it has to have something in the real world to interact with. And that thing is going to be sending out a beacon saying he's done the stirring now, which means you're going to have to have purchased this. Why? And it, because how else is it going to do it? Visual recognition. Get, what of literally anything? Get out of fucking town! I'm t- not I'm, a if- chance. That's the Star Trek computer you need for that. You think My- that some Facebook visual recognition thing is going to recognise you stirring a thing and going, "Yeah, he's just put the eggs in." Fuck the fuck off! No way is no. he going to be able to do that. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> I'm, I'm, go- I'm going back to I'm going back to a, a comment Jeremy made earlier on in this d- discussion. <laughs> With enough interest and enough focus and funding, I, every problem is solvable with technology if people are willing to solve it. I, I think absolutely that believe that at some point. Hang on, I absolutely put it this way: look at what look at look at what Tesla has done in terms of uh, like in terms of autom- automated driving. Right, they're primarily using lidar and cameras to figure out the the world around them, and they've made en- enormous strides in what ten years, something like that. 
It's absolutely believable that we will get to a point where you can have a set of cameras, a set of sensors on a pair of glasses that will detect the real world around you and be able to influence your decision-making with the real world around you. Now, will the mixing bowl thing be in the first iteration? Of course it won't be. But I don't believe for a fucking second it's not going to happen. Of course it's going to happen. I I think the first iteration, the, the idea that something will be able to look at what you're looking at and understand it well enough to sensibly augment it without assistance from you or the world telling it what that thing is, to me is far enough in the future that it's not particularly interesting to talk about. Because in the same thing, we could talk about how you don't need to do any cooking if you're allowed to invent replicators, right? Where I could just you know, press a for, button for, for, and, it cre- 40, and it creates the 40 years ago, 40 years ago, computing barely existed. Yeah. Look so, at where we are right now. Exactly. Look at that. Yeah. So without I, wishing I'd to like... turn into, without turning into Peter Diamandis, you are right? in fact the Peter ex- Diamandis. I just literally right? thought that. <laughs> right. The the ex prize founder for people who don't know who he is. That's, yes. I was say, that's funnier to us than it is to listeners. <laughs> to the people who don't know the who he is. The scale in which that has in which that has grown, right, is enormous. Yeah. I I I I I, 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 I absolutely believe the mixing bowl thing. You'll be able to do in now, the next now, but you see, 15 years. Here's the thing. But then I'm allowed to say, I just have a box, which is a replicator. And I press a button and it makes the thing inside. Well, no. That's right? a, no. Because that's, that's the no. physical world. Right, and you're, and you're physics. Li- I'm you're literally about- going to say, this thing that I think would be cool, I'm allowed to just assume into existence and talk about this thing you want is ridiculous science fiction. No, no, no but the point <laughs> is, the point is, though, is that right now there is a path to what I'm saying will happen. It's about making what we're already doing today I, better I, and better I, and better I, and better. I really don't think a there is. A replicator is rewiring the universe. I really don't think there is a path at the moment. Everyth- mm. everyth- right. everyth- well, we see things yeah. differently. Yes. <laughs> Everything that we've currently got, which purports to recognize the real world accurately, is full of holes and rubbish. And I don't, and there's, yes, there's a bunch of people pushing this technology like, yeah, we just work out the bugs and then it'll be fine. I'm like, nah. I really don't think you will. I think this I mean, is much more is like a, an uncanny real, valley there, problem. There is a real-world approximation of this, and it's Amazon Go, and there are stores that exist, and they work-ish. I mean, it's so the path is there. The path is there. It's just, it's, and it's going to take a lot of energy and time and money to get there. So, yes. so spot me this as an initial example, then. So for iteration one, possibly iteration two or whatever, I think the way people will want this, because people want that vision – assume you're not me and you think that vision is possible people want it but they want to deliver it to people before it's actually conceptually doable right so what they'll do is i think there'll be a whole market in people trying to sell you a mixing bowl with a tiny little qr code equivalent on it or something so you look at it and think the thing knows it's a mixing bowl and that feeds it into the vr world right at which point what we're doing is we're taking the internet of things and instead of making the things the thing which connects to the internet, you make everything identify itself um, to your glasses, and your glasses are the thing which connect to the internet. In much the same way that, did you see the thing about how um, cyclists need to, um, people talk about how, how cyclists need to wear some little badge so that um, self-driving cars can recognize them as cyclists? What? Yeah, no, this is, uh, now I'm going to have to look that up. But <laughs> I think that I, I can actually see a, um, an iteration one and a half where everyone tries to sell you 
things which are tagged with what they are so that your yeah, AR glasses can be like that's going to happen but what's, yeah. what's the what's the problem with that man that's do you not think that sounds really terrible and annoying of course it does but every step on the way to technology and the ultimate area where you want technology to get to is shit <laughs> everything technology how is pain to, and everything we- is shit How do we get to Zoom right now, right? Zoom is generally pretty decent, right? We went through fucking Akiga, didn't we? Like, (laughs) there's all of these different steps that you get to. Your argument here is not with AR. Your argument is with technology development. At some point, until you get to the... Right. But we will get there at some point, right? I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know rewiring the universe i'm just saying i think we'll get there and i imagine the first iterations of this are going to be things just having information available when you look around like my example of 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 going to your fridge and it tells you something about your fridge or or you know being able to look over at your thermostat and you'll see the setting right and that will require things to be connected to the internet for sure right but i think the visualization of the world i think that's an interesting i think that's a useful thing and then when everything's connected and we can engage with other people, that seems to be the vision of the metaverse. You know? Very meta. I think I may have won this argument. <laughs> wow. I haven't had a win in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to look up the, the thing. I, I know do you want to hand I, me I, the mic to drop? Or all, do, all, all, I can I find, all I can find is the beginning of um, the article in New Scientist saying um, pedestrians should wear radar. Pedestrians should wear radar reflectors to avoid being run over by self-driving cars, says a team of researchers that has created a device to make people more visible to a vehicle's artificial intelligence. Oh, so this is created by the people who made the device. (laughs) Yeah, and and what (laughs) are they wearing to avoid getting hit by actual people? Like, that's not a great example, given the number of times I've been hit as a cyclist. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Never never buy a smart car, for the record. Always buy a human. Yeah. 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 So curious, good curious what our listeners think of of the metaverse. Yes. Yeah. Be- before we wrap up, though, we've only got a couple of minutes. We didn't yes. really dig into the privacy side of things. So why don't we take a couple of minutes on that? What do you think about? Because none of us, none of us trust Facebook, right? So I, I don't. Do I don't think, think there's I, an additional privacy angle to me. It's like the same companies who I don't want to give data. I still don't want to give data. I don't. Right. Well, I don't know that I, I have anything to yeah. I, I, I think there is um, – I don't think I have specifically a more privacy-based concern with what they're talking about than I already have with AR generally. Like I say, in order for AR to be useful, it by definition has to be aware of literally everything in the world around you and how that relates to you. That's by definition yeah. massively invasive. The distinction here is you've got a combination of AR being incredibly invasive and a company who are now talking about doing it who are the worst for this yeah. and are known <laughs> to be the worst. And more importantly, everybody already knows they are the worst. I mean, if there were a model where it could work on device, it would ameliorate some of those concerns, but we're so far away from having it happen off device that on device is not and 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 more importantly i think even yeah. if it um if there were a model where it could happen on device the people who are going to invent that are going to be apple and are not going to be facebook oh sorry Meta. oh for sure yeah, yeah. i wasn't <laughs> talking specifically facebook here yeah and i mean it honestly feels like 
I know everyone half joking said, I think they changed their name and everyone will go, oh, oh, wow, Facebook have gone away. Now this whole new company, we reset the trust level back to, back to 50% or whatever. And that hasn't happened. But I mean, much as everyone's joking about this, it really does kind of feel like that's what they were doing. <laughs> but they're trying to get out from under the Facebook is terrible at privacy branding. And given that our report I mentioned earlier, it failed to do so to an almost legendary degree. I I can completely see it from <laughs> two different angles. I can completely believe that there are people at Facebook who are like, or Meta, who are like, no, this is the vision of the world we want to build. This is really exciting. This Metaverse thing, we should create like this parent company, so it's not it's not too confusing from a branding perspective. Yeah, like how, and that they're really and that they're really disappointed that people are attacking them for this. But I can also completely see some people sat in an office and like, fuck, how are we going to get rid of this 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 yeah. public image that we've got? Zuckerberg Zuckerberg is not willing to leave. Maybe we can change our name, and we're already working on the metaverse. And we'll just change it. I completely believe that the, those two scenarios are, could be true. Like, and the, that's the problem is that they've got the boy who cries wolf problem with Facebook. Is that no one one hundred percent believes them? So anything's possible. Yeah, and, so. and not only have they cried wolf, they cried wolf to two billion people on Earth. <laughs> no one, nobody believes them anymore. Well, yeah, and the sad reality for here, I think, is that if another company had pitched that vision. Like if Apple pitched the vision for the metaverse, um, people would have other concerns like the price and, and all the rest of it, but it would be much more, they'd be much more trustworthy. So, um, you know, they've got to, they're going to have to work extra hard to, to gain that trust back. And I'm just not, I don't think they can do that with Zuckerberg as CEO. They're going to have no, to it's gonna be a have him move out. No. And I mean, much as there, much as people are like, yeah, you know, this is, um, kind of an overall overarching owning company like Alphabet were for Google. I, I mean, maybe it's structured that way from a corporate perspective, but they're not. They're not talking like Google. Don't talk about Alphabet. They did when it was released when it first came out. They're like, yeah, now there's Alphabet, but now the word Alphabet has just gone away. It's just a boring holding company, not interesting. This is not that. They're not going. Yeah, no, we're still Facebook. We just happen to be owned by a company called Meta, who also looks after our metaverse interests. They're like, no, nah, Facebook's basically gone away. We're Meta we're, now. We're we're metaverse. Yeah, yeah. So Facebook has basically become a department, right? Yeah. From, from from what I can tell, so 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 does the metaverse end like Ready Player One? It's <laughs> <laughs> certainly not going to end like Snow Crash. Uh, you see, Neil Stevenson, who wrote Snow Crash, yeah, yeah. um, saw sort a of thing on Twitter saying, um, I didn't talk to them. They had nothing to do with me. Sure, they named it after a word that I invented, but this wasn't my idea. Stop accusing me of thinking it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... We'll see what happens. Um, I guess, we, yes, we should probably wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, lots to talk about here. Would, would love to hear everyone's thoughts on this. Go into our community. Send us, let send, us know. send us a metacom about what you think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to start a poll. Do you want to see the next Bad Voltage Live in the metaverse? Oh, God. That, if there's one example that brings to life how poorly constructed the current version of the metaverse is it's that how bad would that <laughs> it'll be, be like wow. the tupac hologram and then us in the metaverse is the next step change. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be great i was i was thinking second life yeah yeah exactly <laughs> have someone with a tail come up on stage um 
It's yeah. it, 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 it's hard to talk about Second Life without invoking the phrase "rain of flying penises." <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is what actually happens, Metaverse people. Just uh, uh, literally everything. It's true. And it happened in bad. the real world. So Go uh, and do a search on YouTube for Gary Kasparov flying penis <laughs> and uh, thank us later. And on that bombshell. Yes, let us know what you think. Um, send Marius some work. Maybe that should be the title of the show, Gary Kasparov's Flying Penis. No. Would you be open to that? No, I'm not calling it that. <laughs> Absolutely ready not. Ready Player No. no. <laughs> I might call it Ready Player No. I like that. I'm ready Player None. I'm making, uh, I'm making a note. <laughs> All right. Peace out, people.